Thank you, Lord. Are you ready for the word today? Now, this will be the last uh, message that I get to share with you for a while. And so I'm not going to preach over three hours, but no, I'm not going to take a long, long time. I do just want to bring you the word that I believe the Lord has for us. And um, I believe that we're going to hear some good things today. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 10, that's St. John, chapter 10, and we are going to begin with verse 27. A couple of weeks ago, I began to talk about knowing and following God's will, how important that it is that we know the will of God, and we need to learn how to find and ascertain the will of God, and then not only that, but how important it is to do the will of God. It's not just what we know, but it's what we do and then what we know. I'm sorry, it's what we know and then what we do with what we know. And so that information is recorded. It's on the app. It's on YouTube. It's on the website. Anywhere you want to find it, you can get the last message because we can't go back and reiterate everything that we said. And we'll go a little further today. And then when I get back, three Sundays from now, I'll be with you again. We'll just try to... if. Unless the Lord directs otherwise, we'll just hook up with where we are today. Because this subject is not one that you can really just do one message and you, you know, get it done. Not as a pastor anyway, not as a teacher. So uh, I want to take my time and obey the Lord and how many ever Sundays it takes. That's just how many it takes, all right? Because I can't think of anything once we're born again and filled with the Spirit. I can't think of anything really much more important than learning how to find and to follow the will of God. It'll make the difference between success and failure. It'll make the difference between prosperity and poverty. It'll make the difference between sickness and health. It'll make the difference between long life and a life that's cut short. So many important aspects to finding and knowing and following the will of God. Jesus said, these are his words in John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. Pretty simple, right? My sheep hear my voice. Now, we know there are a lot of voices in our world. But Jesus said his sheep, are you born again? Well, then you're one of the sheep. He says that we hear his voice. Now, you might be sitting here this morning thinking, well, I'm not doing a very good job of it. If I'm hearing from God, I don't know than I am, and I really don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you because this kind of message and these kinds of truths are going to help you to learn how to ascertain and know the voice of the Lord in your life. And I'm not talking about an audible voice per se. God has that ability, of course. But most of the time when we talk about hearing God or hearing the voice of God, we're we're usually talking about either his word speaking to us or the Holy Spirit speaking into our own spirit. And we'll get into more of that as we go along. It's really, really good information. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So this should be one of your confessions. It should be one of the confessions that you make about your life. I am one of God's sheep. And I confess and I believe that I hear the voice of the good shepherd. And you should be willing every day to make the commitment, I will follow him. 
I will follow him. Now let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter, and let's see what the Apostle Paul was led by the Spirit to say to believers, to us, as well as these Romans of his day. Let's, uh, let's see what he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. <clears throat> he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I like to say it this way. If you are a child of God, it is your birthright to be led by the Spirit of God. This is not a limited blessing for a few. This is available to every child of God. So if you're one of the sheep, if you're born again, you have a birthright. It just goes with the package that, that you received in your new creation package, you might say. The ability or the right, if you will, to be led by the Spirit of God. Now there are two primary ways. There are some other things that uh, we will get to as we, as we can. And that's all good. But these are the two primary ways that God is ever going to lead you. The primary ways is number one will be through His Word. Your Bible. Your Bible is God talking to you. The second primary way is through the Holy Spirit doing what Romans 8, 16, if you'll look there, because hopefully you're still in Romans 8, through the Holy Spirit doing what the 16th verse tells us about. Notice it says the Spirit itself, the King James uses itself. It's kind of unfortunate because the Holy Spirit's not, a, not an it. The Holy Spirit's a person. So you might have a more modern translation that would have the word himself because that's, that's proper. The Holy Spirit himself beareth or bears witness. And if you look up that word witness, it also includes testifying. So the Holy Spirit testifies to us, bears witness to us with where? With our spirit. Now we know we're spirit being. We possess a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live inside a physical body. So the Spirit of God does not bear witness with our body necessarily. Now, I don't mean that you can't at times, as we say, feel the Spirit of God, even in a physical way, a tangible way, because that does happen. But that's not the way God leads us. God's leading doesn't come by falling under the power, as we say. God's leading doesn't come because you have goosebumps or the hair stands up on the back of your neck. That's not, that's not leadership. That might be a physical response to the tangible presence of God, but that's not necessarily how he leads us. And also, God is not a mind. Now, of course, we know we have the mind of Christ, so of course God has the abilities uh, of thought and reason and so forth, and there's no greater mind than God. But He is not a mind. God is a spirit. And so God is not going to lead you through your mind. One of the biggest mistakes Christians make is trying to figure out the will of God. It's not the most important thing to do to figure it out. The most important thing to do once we find the will of God is just do it. Just do the next step. 
Whether you have found the will of God by reading a verse in the Bible that tells you something to do, like rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, be anxious for nothing, give and it shall be given. Whatever the verse might be, you don't have to figure all that out. You don't have to figure out how it's going to work even. You just do that very next step to, to uh, cause that scripture to be yours. Just do it. Amen? And so we don't have to figure it out. God is not a mind. God's not going to bear witness with your mind. Now the Holy Spirit can help through your own human spirit. He can help enlighten your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. We know that. But God's not a mind. God's not a physical being. God is a spirit. John chapter 4, Jesus said that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So here's why I'm going into such detail here. Because the leading from the Holy Spirit, this bearing witness, verse 16 of Romans 8. Notice, he bears witness with our spirit. That's where that guidance comes from. It's deep within you. It's the inner man, as it's called in the New Testament. It's the inward man, as it's also called in the New Testament. It's the hidden man of the heart, as it's also called in the New Testament. And that's where the Holy Spirit lives. That's where guidance comes. And also that's where utterance comes in other tongues. It's not coming from outside. We're not hearing voices and just repeating what we hear a voice say. It comes from inside and we let it out. One of the hardest things about that is uh, when we break into that realm is to let go of our mind because utterances in tongues don't make sense to the mind. It's not a language we know. It's not a language we understand. It's the language of the Spirit. Now, if he gives us an interpretation, we could know. But we don't have to have an interpretation every time we pray in the Spirit because the Bible teaches us clearly that just praying in the Spirit alone will do a number of things even if you don't have an interpretation. It will edify you. You're speaking divine secrets. You're speaking direct, spirit to spirit to God. I mean, wonderful, wonderful things that, are, that happen. But all that happens from our spirit. Well, that's all connected with being led by the Lord. All these things can be and should be connected, at least I can say. So let's look at this a little further, these ways that God leads us. Number one is through, we said, the, the Word of God. So reading and learning the Bible is essential. Wouldn't you agree? As a Christian, reading and learning the Bible is essential. But let me point this out. It's also essential to discern and follow the witness of the Holy Spirit. Nobody had more Word in them than Jesus. As a matter of fact, in John, the first chapter, he is called the Word. But in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says he, Jesus, or we could say the Word, was led by the Spirit. So while he was in an earthly body, it became necessary for him to be led by the Spirit as well as to act on all those scriptures that he had learned and even memorized as a young Jewish boy in the flesh, so to speak. So it's important uh, that we have both the written Word of God and the leading of the Spirit in order that we can find and know the will of God. Now let's talk a little bit about the written Word. You see, the Word of God leads us by being, as is described in Psalm 119, 105, 
a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Those are, those are words concerning guidance. Why do you need a, a, a lamp for your feet and a light for your path? He's obviously talking about trying to walk in the dark. Well, if you don't have a light, you could get into some trouble. And this says that the Word of God is like that light in a dark place. It will shine into our pathway to show us where to go and show us what to do. That's the will of God. And so uh, it's important to understand that the written word we possess began as a spoken word from God. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved upon or impelled, as the Amplified says, by the Spirit. And so the Word of God was first of all spoken so that it could be written and written so that it could be spoken by the reader or the hearer of the written Word. I mentioned last time that the early church would not have had, everybody wouldn't have had a Bible. Nobody had an iPhone. There were no screens with Scripture uh, printed out for you. Nobody had a paper copy of a Bible. There would have been scrolls that would have been hand copied by scribes, and they would have been in synagogues. Perhaps a few wealthy people, somebody might have been able to afford to get one printed up or something. But the idea of, of having, like, like in our house, for instance, I don't know how many Bibles are in our house. Bunch of them. That did not happen in that day. And most of the people would have, in the culture, most, just generally speaking, most people would have been illiterate. All, almost all women would have been illiterate. There would have been men who would not have gotten the uh, learned ability to read. And that's just because of the way the culture went. I'm not, you know, that's not a political statement at all. And so when they came together to worship, there would have been reading of Scripture, and so that's, that's how they would have been hearing the Word of God. It was written, remember, it was first spoken by God, and whether it was Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, whoever, and in the New Testament days, you know, the Apostle Paul, Peter, whoever, they would have then written, I mean, they would have, they would have heard from God that inspired Word, and then it would have been written down, and it would have been from the written page spoken again. And particularly in the New Testament era, it would have been spoken to congregations of people. And letters would even have been passed from church to church. And I'm belaboring this point because I want you to see that whether you are actually reading your Bible with your eyes open or whether you are hearing the Word, either way, God is talking to you. And we know from Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so what we do is in our day we can supercharge our spiritual life by ourselves looking at Scripture and reading them out loud. And I encourage you to do some reading out loud. Bible reading is not a marathon to see who wins. It's not, how, it's not who reads the most chapters today is the most spiritual. Or who reads the, the most books this year of the Bible is, is the most spiritual person. It's about allowing the Word of God to truly feed your spirit. Now, we don't use that as an excuse to be lazy and always look for a psalm that has four verses and then we close the Bible and go to bed. But I mean, we take time to meditate the Scripture. I've been in the book of Second Peter 
uh, those three chapters now for a good while, and I just keep on going over it and over it and over again because I'm, I'm uh, meditating and squeezing some good stuff, and I'm going to share some stuff here in just a moment from that book, and, and I think it'll bless you. But we, uh, we understand that one of the functions of God's Word is to bring us guidance. Your Bible is God talking to you. Now, we said last time that there are two primary words in Greek translated word, the English word, word. And one is called logos, the other is rhema. And so very simply, logos, we could say, and, and I think it's a general you know, you might go and do a word study and you find some other things as well. But generally speaking, Logos is the sum total of what God has revealed and said. Your Bible is the Logos of God. Rhema is a specific word that's given to us by the Holy Spirit for a specific instruction. It could have to do with a specific promise for our life. It could have to do with some aspect of the timing of God for us. Those we would say are rhema words. The Holy Spirit can quicken a specific verse or passage of Scripture that He originally inspired, of course, as He would want to. And I testified last time, and if you weren't here, maybe you can listen to that, from Ephesians 3.20 and how He quickened that word to me about the, about the building of this, this church and about the, the place where we are today in ministry. So uh, it's important to understand that. So the first way, everybody say the first way. way. Say the most often used way that God will speak to you is through His Word, your Bible. So that's why you need to do these things with your Bible. You need to read it. You need to study it. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) You need to meditate on it. And you need to confess it. And number five, then you need to do it. Read, study, meditate, confess, and do. Now, I mentioned Second Peter. Let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1 and look beginning in verse number 16. And while you're turning there, I'm going to mention, I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic. Uh, it has some really good uh, uh, wording in it that helps us understand um, what we're, what we're looking at. Second Peter chapter 1. I've, I've, I'm opening the, this Bible to the wrong spot. We'll get here. Hang on. Second Peter chapter 1. Now, as I said, I have been uh, reading from this passage, meditating from this passage, studying from these passages, just three chapters, of course, <clears throat> for a while. But it's not the first time that Second Peter has really made an impact in my life. As a matter of fact, about 40 years ago, some of you are not even 40 years old. It's amazing how young some of you are. <laughs> but about 40 years ago, I was in a series of meetings, and there was a gentleman who was teaching what we would call the Word of Faith message. He was fresh out of Rama Bible Training Center, and he'd come into our part of the world to do meetings, and he was holding, or to do a meeting, and he was holding this meeting, and he got to this passage in Second Peter, and I had been saved for years. I was in ministry. I was actually full-time in ministry, but I'd never quite seen 
the point that he was going to make. And what I want to show you here in a minute, the Lord began 40 years ago to show me, and it changed my life and is still changing my life. So let's read it. If you'll excuse my glasses, my red glasses, they don't match. <clears throat> Uh, this, you, I need a bigger offering if I'm going to read from this. No, I'm kidding. I am kidding. You know that I'm kidding you. All right, let's look in verse 16 of Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 16. Now, let me say before I read, this is Peter's last letter. He knows that he will soon die. Jesus, remember, told him before Jesus left the earth something about his death. And he mentioned to him, when you're old. So by now, Peter is old, and he knows his death is near. And so this letter, particularly, is about last words. Last words of a man who had seen blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. A man who had seen the dead raised, and actually had seen Jesus resurrected. A man who had seen... Thousands fed with a little boy's lunch. A man who actually, though it was a few steps, walked on water. So when somebody like that talks, I want to know what there's, I want to listen. So here's what he says in verse 16. For we were not following out cleverly devised stories... When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, grandeur, authority of sovereign power. For when he was invested with honor and glory from God the Father, and a voice was borne to him by the splendid, majestic glory in the bright cloud that overshadowed him, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and delight. We, and he's talking about he and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. We actually heard this voice. Can you imagine seeing Jesus glorified and hearing the voice of God the Father? He said, we actually heard this voice born out of heaven. For we were together with him on the holy mountain. And, he says, we have the prophetic word made firmer still. The old King James says, we have a more sure word. What are you saying to us, Peter? Well, Peter's saying, I saw the glory of God. I saw his majesty. I heard God speak. I saw this with my eyes. It was real. It wasn't a dream. He saw it. He heard it. But he's saying to believers he's writing to before he leaves the earth, you've got something even more sure than what I saw. Something more sure than what I heard. Amen. And we have the prophetic word made firmer still. You will do well to pay close attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dismal, squalid, and dark place 
until the day breaks through the gloom and the morning star rises, comes into being in your hearts. Now let's stop for a minute. When he talked about what's called the morning star, they understood that. Even today, uh, you know, if you, you can find out the morning star. Most of the time for, uh, for us on earth here, it's Venus. It's not a really a star per se, it's a planet, but it's close enough till it looks super bright. And the context here is when, and it's called a morning star because the morning star precedes sunrise. When people, especially in ancient times, without electric lights and without clocks and phones to tell them what time it is and all the rest, if they awakened and they looked and they saw the morning star, they knew they breaks near. The morning star was the precursor to the star, the sun coming up. And so Peter says, Scripture is like that. Scripture is what you see from the Word that lets you know Jesus, the light of the world, is getting ready to make that word come to pass in your life. And that period of time from when you say amen to your prayer of faith and you're believing God for that mountain to move, the manifestation of that change to come, that period of time, what do you have to hold on to? It's not your physical feelings. It's not the circumstances. They may not look any different at all. It might look like nothing has happened, but you know something has happened because you've released your faith and the power of God has gone to work. What do you have as your morning star that signals to you that my victory is right up there? What you have is the scriptures that you're standing on, the basis of your faith. It's the word of God. And Peter says, that's what the Scripture's about. It's the more sure word. And he said, it's like the morning star. And notice he does use the term, rises, comes into being in your hearts. So he's not talking about astronomy. He's not talking about the, you know, a planet somewhere, literally. He's talking about what this means for us spiritually. And then he's not finished. He goes on to say, in verse number 20, yet first... Notice that. Yet first, you must understand. So in other words, for this to really work for you and for you to fully really grasp this, you've got to understand this. And what's this? That no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of any personal or private or special interpretation, loosening or solving. In other words, the Scriptures are not exclusive to just one or two people. It's not just the preacher. It's not just the saint that's been in the way for 50 years. It's not just the silver-haired grandmas and grandpas that have walked with God for decades. It's not just for them. It's for them, yes, but it's also for you. If you were just born again an hour ago, it's for you. So it's not private. Whatever God meant when he breathed these scriptures... He still means. We don't have a right to take Scripture and twist them to try to modernize them or to try to make them woke or politically acceptable or anything else. Whatever God meant 
when he breathed these words, whenever God spoke so that it could be written, he still means what he said. And so it's not a private thing. You can read it. You can know it. And he goes on to say, verse 21, For no prophecy ever originated because some man willed it to do so. It never came by human impulse. But as men spoke from God, they were borne along, moved, and impelled by the Holy Spirit. They were impelled by the Holy Spirit. You know, if, you've, if you have a well, if you don't have city water, if you know anything about wells, if you've got a pump down in the well, there's a, there's a piece on that pump that you've got to have for it to work. It's called an impeller, not a propeller, an impeller. And that's what sucks that water from the well and brings it through the pump into the pipe up and out to your home. And this says that men were impelled. Something came into them and came through them and came out of them that was from God. And if that doesn't make your Bible important to you, then I don't know what will. Because it's not a 2,000-year-old or a 4,000-year-old book. It is, but it is a living book. John 6, 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so every time you open this book, the day star begins to shine. Every time you open this book, you realize, this is God talking to me. This is not a private interpretation that Paul knew about or James knew about or Peter knew about, but you know, or maybe brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so that I have lots of confidence in. It, it, you know, it's for them. No, it's for you. And, and um, help me, Lord, to say this in a good way. Because, you know, I'm getting ready to leave town. I want to be nice. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times people, they want to hear from God. They want to know the will of God. But let, let's do this little example, this little scenario. Let's say, for instance, that I was, that I was really privy to some very powerful information. Let's say I just... I had some um, inside information about something. And let's just, for the sake of the illustration, say it's not illegal. <laughs> but let's say I had some inside information that knowing this information could, uh, let's say, make you very rich. Well, if you had it, I'd like to know it. If I had it, you'd probably like to know it. And let's say you really wanted me to tell you. So, let's say, just for instance, we're not, I, not possible to see you in person for a while. And so what I'm going to do is, I'm going to write you a letter. And I'm going to dictate the letter to someone who is actually going to sit there at a keyboard and they're going to take it all down. And I'm going to sign my name to it. I'm going to put it in the mail. I'm going to send it to you. Well, it arrives in your house a few days later. You get it out of your mailbox. You see it's from me. And you maybe tear the envelope open and you look and there's several pages of it. It looks like a lengthy letter. And you put it over somewhere, let's just say on the nightstand or on the coffee table. 
And then you don't ever read my letter. But you still keep on telling people, I wish you'd tell me that information. I wish you'd give me his secret. I wish, you, he would, I wish he would give me that inside information. And you might even eventually see me because the day comes and we're looking face to face. And you say, now, I want you to tell me all about this. And so I ask you this question, did you get my letter? Yeah, I got it. Did you read it? Well, I didn't have time. I was really busy, you know, working a lot of overtime. I, you know, we had ball games. We had, you know, vacation. I needed to fish. You know, all kinds of stuff that people do that's not necessarily wrong. Can I ask you this question and as nicely as I can ask, of course. Why would I waste my time to tell you all the stuff that I already told you in a letter that you didn't have time to even look at. Now think about your Bible, where it is, how often it's opened, and your relationship to God, who really does have inside information that can totally change your life. See, a lot of people want God to talk to them, and they don't realize He's trying to talk to you every single day. He is talking. And every time you open this book, he's speaking to you. Now, don't misunderstand me. God can give you a word. God can supernaturally speak in your spirit things. He can give you that rhema word we're talking about, something that's just unique for you at this moment and this, at this time. And that's wonderful. We love those. You know, I was testifying the last time about that Ephesians 320 thing. This, this was something happened probably in 2002 or three. So 20 years ago, and I'm still telling about it. That's the kind of impression it made on me that day. But that doesn't happen every day. And I also want to point out that when it happened, I was walking, praying, and I had my Bible open reading. You see, there are things we do that position us to hear from God. And some of you need answers. If you're single and you want to be married, the last thing in the world you want to do is marry the wrong person. Marriage was intended by God to be a little heaven on earth. But if it's to the wrong person, it's a little hell on earth. So if you're, if you're single and you want to be married, you want to make sure you're in the will of God. If you're looking for a job, a career path, you don't want to get on the wrong one. Yeah, I remember when we painted the walls in this building back in those days, you know, we didn't have all the resources or all the people we have now. And so a lot of the work was done ourselves. And I remember painting on these walls with a roller and getting up on a scaffold and stuff and painting. Um, wouldn't it be terrible? Let's say to uh, you're going to paint this wall here. Pretty good sized wall. And it goes up pretty high. And let's say you, uh, you come in and you've got a ladder and you're working, you paint, and hours and hours go by. And then somebody comes in who's the boss. Would that be you? <laughs> somebody comes in who's the boss. And they say, oh, no. And you say, what? That's not the wall. That's not the wall we wanted to paint. See, a lot of people are working hard. They're really busy. But they're painting the wrong wall. 
God never told him to paint that wall. And whether it's a misunderstanding or whether it's disobedience and rebellion, either way, you're not going to get God's best if you're not doing the will of God. A lot of people fear the will of God. I don't know, I guess it's religious teaching and religious thinking. They think somehow or another, if it's really God, then it's got to be hard. When Jesus told us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or they think, you know, if it's really God, it's probably going to be some really bad stuff. When the word says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. You never have to worry about doing something that you will eventually hate. Because even if it's not in your, as we say, your wheelhouse, and you don't think that's for me, if it's really God, He will make it for you. And you'll end up in places and you'll end up doing things that maybe some years ago you thought, I'll never do that or I'll never do that again. And God can change your want-tos. Because Psalm 37, 4 says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And so that means, of course, He'll give you things you desire. But have you ever thought about it this way? He will give you the desire. He'll give you the desire. And so this truth from 2 Peter chapter 1 changed my life. I realized that day, and I have from that day to this, I have not been perfect. I've been far from perfect. But I've really tried to live my life not based on circumstances. Not to live according to what I see or what I feel. To not make all my decisions based on what's in the bank account or how many people shows up or how many people say amen or how many people agree with you. But to try to do what I know to be is the word of God and the will of God for my life because I know I know that it's a more sure word than any circumstance or any kind of emotion or feeling and it's certainly more sure than anybody's opinion because nobody has more authority than God when he speaks it's so so our first response to every situation that we face in life should always be this question are you ready Here's the question. What does the Bible say? Because when you say, what does the Bible say? You are saying, what does God say? <coughs> Excuse me. You're saying, what is God's will for my life? Now, there are some wonderful uh, things to know and to help us with finding the will of God. And that's what we're going to talk about when I get back. Because we just don't have time today. And you're ready for lunch, I'm sure. But, uh, but I want you to take what you've heard today. And please take it the way that I, I tried to deliver it. I'm not jumping on anybody. And we're not asking you to tell us when's the last time you opened your Bible or how much you read your Bible. That's not what we're doing here today. But just, just trying to let you understand that that is one of the keys to being led by the Spirit of God. I want to talk about how the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, what that's like, what that, what that entails. I want to talk about some circumstances that can help in finding the will of God and some circumstances that can hinder in finding the will of God. But that will have to come at another time. So that's where we're going 
If you've got some things before God, you've got some things that need changing, you've got some things you need to find out some information about, then you're in the right place. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you'll give us six months and you'll come faithfully and listen and worship with us and participate with us, your life will never be the same. I promise you, it will never be the same. These things will change you forever. I'm still working on this, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I enjoy it. I'm still working on this after 40 years. So who knows? You may pick up something today or in the coming weeks that 40 years from now will still be blessing you. And it won't be because me. It'll be because it's from the Word of God. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for your holy written Word. We don't have, I don't have a vocabulary to do justice to this principle. But I do pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would enlighten our hearts to see this from your perspective. Our Bible, Lord, your word to us has come to us at a great cost. Men have laid their lives down to preserve and to propagate the word of God. The devil has fought the printing of the word and the preaching of the word and the learning of the word with every tool at his disposal. And he's still not won the battle and he never will because your word cannot be stopped. Help us, Lord, to do what it says. Help us to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Because, Lord, we know that times will come for all of us when we're going to need it. We're going to need to pull out of that file from our spirit a word in season. And if we haven't put it in, it can't be drawn out. So I'm praying, Lord, that you would just cause this word today to be quickened so in our lives that we actually do something about it. We're not just hearers only. In Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes still closed here for just a moment, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not right with God, maybe you've never been born again or maybe you're what we call a backslider. You've walked away from the things of God and you want to be right with God. You want to repent of your sin. You want to be born again if that's your need today. Then right now I want you to pray with me. And when we're through praying, if you're in the room and you pray the prayer, then please come up after the service because we want to minister to you further. We want to help you. We've got materials for you. We, we want to know uh, how to further serve you and help you. If you're not here but you're watching, then contact us through email or however you can or you can call. Uh, we want to minister to you as well. We've got some things we'd love to send you and we'd love to know who you are and we'd love to pray for you. So if that's the case, pray this prayer after me and all of you pray it please just by faith and join with those who might need to pray it. Let's say this, Father God, we come in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus died for my sins. He was my substitute. He fully paid the price with his own blood. He laid his life down for me. I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. And right now, I confess him as my Lord and Savior. 
I commit to you, Lord. I will serve you for the rest of my life. Take my life. Take me. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's all lift our hands and thank God that he's done that for us. <coughs> thank you, Lord.